My subject that I was given, we're doing a series, by the way, if you are not aware, we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. My subject that I was given, or the title that Pat gave me, was, uh, in the end, it became uh, Fuel for the Fight. Fuel for the Fight. And really, if you don't know what that means, it means we're going to look at the pursuit of holiness, but not in our own strength, but in reliance upon God's Holy Spirit. So we're looking at uh, the Holy Spirit and how he helps us in our pursuit of holiness. I want you to think at the moment about a farmer. I don't know if any of you have ever worked on a farm, have you? (laughs) Um, I have, muck spreading and moving bales of hay. I want you to think about a farmer, but I want you to think about a good farmer. A good farmer. Now, a good farmer... He recognises that there are some things that only God can do. And God must do. Otherwise, he's finished as a farmer. Only God can provide the sunshine. God must provide the sunshine. Otherwise, nothing's going to grow. Only God can provide the rain. If there's no rain... You know, I'm sunk as a farmer. So he looks to God to do the miraculous. He also knows that only God can make the seeds germinate. You know, sprout, put down roots. There's a verse in the Bible which talks about a farmer sowing his seed and he says, he sows it but he doesn't know how it grows. He goes to bed, he wakes up and it grows. He doesn't know how. And the Christian in the Bible is likened to a farmer in 2 Timothy. I mean, Christians are also likened to soldiers because they face suffering. Christians are likened to athletes because they have to discipline themselves and do without certain things. But I'm not going to talk about soldiers and athletes. I want to mention, though, this subject of a farmer I hope you'll understand why in a moment. Now, a good farmer, as I say, recognises that God must do the miraculous that I cannot do. He just must do it. And I have to look to him for that. However, a good farmer does not sit at home looking out the window saying, God's going to do it all. I'm trusting God's going to do it all. God's going to give me a massive crop of golden wheat. I'm just going to sit at home in a cup of tea and watch it all. You know, some Christians can be like that. It's true, God can only change your heart. It's true, God can only give you a new life. It's true, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But it doesn't mean to say you've got to be like the farmer who sits at home and says, all right, God, you do it all, I'm just not going to put in any effort whatsoever. I'm going to sit at home in my cup of tea and just watch the fields grow. Because I'll tell you something, if that farmer goes outside, he will look at harvest time and he will find there are weeds everywhere. He will find there are pests who've eaten the crops. He will find that there are stones that need to be removed. So I believe what the Lord put in my heart to share is yes, we must cry out for God to do the miraculous, to change our hearts. But there are some things that God will not do that the farmer should do. For example, uh, (laughs) plough, plant some seeds, Uh, Cultivate, fertilise, 
watch over what's going on, check there's no foxes in there eating up the food or uh, locusts. Cooperate with the seasons. Look to God, look for the weather. But as I say, some Christians, they, it's all about God's got to zap me. He's got to give me such a Holy Ghost experience that I'll be absolutely, I just won't have to do anything anymore. Just, it'll all just happen automatically. Now, God does zap you. And if you've never been zapped, I want, oh, I'm stepping on the pot. <laughs> if you've never been zapped, I want to, uh, you can have a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit, a deeper experience of God. But it's not all about a big zap and then I just put my feet up and it's all going to happen. Because the farmer has to go out and work. Equally, there are some Christians who do all the work and don't even bother looking at God. You know, like a farmer who, right, right I'm a farmer, I'm going to do it all in my own strength. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to plough, 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 dig, 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 so, so, so. I'm not going to worry about the sun, I'm not going to worry if it's winter or summer, I'm not going to worry about the seasons, I'm just going to do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. And yes, there might be some result, but in the end it will fail. So my subject this morning is about being a good farmer. <laughs> that might sound a bit odd, but what I mean is relying on the Holy Spirit that God has given to progress in holiness. But of course, there are some things that only God can do. There's no point you trying to be holy without the Holy Spirit or without Jesus in your life, without the cross. You can't do it. You'll fail. So what are three things that only the Holy Spirit can do? Well, one is only the Holy Spirit can make you free. It says in Scripture, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It means liberty from the power of sin. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be free. You are utterly chained up. Let me just give you a little illustration. I brought a chain along. and a random piece of metal. <laughs> now, before Jesus comes into our lives, we are like this magnet. There's a magnet on there, chained up. There's nothing, you can't, well I can take it off, but the magnet can't remove itself. It can't remove itself. And all the time we don't have the Spirit of God, we are joined, attached to the kingdom of Sin, the kingdom of the chains, the kingdom of darkness, the devil. Uh, we are born into slavery. Just like the people in ancient Israel. You know that story? We'll look at it in a moment, briefly. I hope I won't be an hour today, by the way. <laughs> um, Exodus, it's in there. But they, they were uh, in slavery and they, they were born into it. And they couldn't do anything about Pharaoh, the Egyptian king. He controlled them they had no choice. They, didn't, they, they were pathetic. They could do nothing about it. It took a mighty, powerful miracle to get them free. And we read about that crossing at the Red Sea in the Bible. When they were set free from the Egyptian armies and the Egyptian pharaoh. Let's just... I'll come back to the chain in a minute. Please... Uh, if you want, you can turn to Exodus 14. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read uh, about four verses. Or you can just listen. 
Now, what happened is the people had come out of uh, Egypt because they had shed the blood of the lamb. There was a lamb that was slain. It's a picture of Jesus' blood. And they had come out, but they were still not yet free from the Egyptian army. And they came to this impossible place where there was a big ocean. And there was nothing they could do. But I want to suggest to you that when they crossed the ocean, it's like when the Spirit of God comes into a man or a woman. This is what happened. Let's just read it. Uh, Verse 16 of Exodus 14. God says to Moses, pick up your staff, which is like a big stick he had, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. This is what happened. Then verse 23, then the Egyptians, because they were following them, All of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers chased them into the middle of the sea. But just before dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of fire and through the cloud. He threw their forces into total confusion. Verse 27. As the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Then verse 30, and the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the seashore. Pretty dramatic, isn't it? But what is that a picture of? I believe it's a picture when the spirit comes into a man or woman. Because when the spirit comes, which is the cloud, you know there's a pillar of cloud, you remember that? The pillar of cloud is, the whole, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, it says, through the pillar of cloud, the Lord looked on the army of the Egyptians and brought them into confusion. And what they did was they went under this pillar of cloud, down through the sea, and they were out and they were free. And, I mean, we read about this also in the New Testament, hope I'm not getting too complicated. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, is this something that only the Holy Spirit can do? That's, what I'm, that's the point, what I'm saying. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 2, it says this. All the Israelites were under the cloud, and all of them walked through the sea on dry ground. In the cloud and in the sea, they were baptized into Moses. Now, what am I saying? What I'm saying is, through this pillar of cloud, which is a picture of the Holy Spirit, they got set free from the power of Egypt, and they got joined to Moses. They became Moses' followers. They were joined to Moses. And it was impossible. They couldn't do anything. But the cl- when, when the cloud and the sea, that's where it happened. And this is what happens. Let me go back to my picture of the chain. There we are, stuck in the kingdom of sin and darkness. And then but when the Holy Spirit comes, we go through, have this sort of experience. We come away from the kingdom of chains of darkness. And I know it's only a piece of metal, but we get joined to Jesus Christ. And I know it's just a piece of metal, but I didn't have a picture of Jesus. 
But that's where you are. Now, if you've got the Spirit, if you've believed in Jesus and accepted Christ, that is where you are now. All right? This is why I'm doing this. You are joined to Jesus. You are not joined to that anymore. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your body. Do not obey it in the lusts thereof. For you died to sin. And you've been made alive to God. Right? That's I'm quoting from Romans chapter 6 now. We died to that. We've been, we've been uh, cut off from the devil and sin. And we've been joined to Jesus Christ. And that is where you actually are now as a Christian. You may feel rubbish. You may feel like, I can't resist sin. I've got these habits. But the truth is, that is where you are. And God then says in the Bible... Because, you've done, because that's where you are now, don't let sin reign in your body. Fight it. Resist it. Put it off. Because you died to all that stuff. You're now alive to God. This is where you live. Um, I don't know if I'm making any sense, but <laughs> I'm trying to tell you where you are in Christ. You're not in Egypt's side anymore. You've passed over. You've had a Passover. You're not on the side of Egypt anymore. You're now on God's side, joined to Jesus. You've passed over. You've switched sides. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you've switched sides, and you don't need to sin. You say, oh, I can't help that habit. No, you can kill that habit. The Bible says you've been made alive to God. Therefore, do not let it reign in your body. Now, I've failed at times in my life. My wife, will, she knows all my deep, dark secrets. I've failed at times in my life. I'm not perfect. But I can tell you, the Lord's been speaking this to me. He says, the people of God have died to the old chains. They've come away from Egypt and his armies. They've crossed over. They've passed over. They're on a new side. They're on Canaan's side. They're not on the Egypt side. They've got a new master, a new kingdom. They've changed kingdoms. They've switched sides. Therefore, they can say no to sin and start fighting against sin. They don't have to go, oh, it's the way I was born. No, do not let sin reign in your body. This is where we are. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you do that. His name is the helper. The Holy Spirit is there to help you do what? Help you fight against sin. That's partly why he's in you. He's your helper to help you put off old habits. To say no to temptation. That's why he's in you. The power of God is in you to help you say no. I love the film, well, I shouldn't love it, I suppose, uh, For a Fistful of Dollars. Has anyone ever seen that cowboy film with Clint Eastwood? Chris loves it. <clears throat> but there's a song at the beginning, and it's, it's stuck in me, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but it says, We will fight. We will fight. We will fight. The truth is, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, you can fight. You don't have to go, oh, I'm a sinner like I always was. No, you're not. You may not be perfect. It's not about attaining perfection. It's about pursuing holiness. Lifelong pursuit of holiness, not I've attained. I'm perfect. Because you never get to that until you get to heaven. But you can pursue holiness and you can fight and you can be different. You can put off stuff. Um, I remember a story. This might make you laugh. Uh, of a student of the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon. And this student walked up to Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, and he said, he said, Mr. Spurgeon, I am sinlessly perfect. I have attained. And Mr. Spurgeon, very wise, he said, oh, really? Okay. And then they had breakfast. 
And Mr. Spurgeon, who could be quite cheeky, he went to the fridge, or whatever it was they had in those days, and got a jug of milk. And as the guy who kept saying to his friends, I'm sinlessly perfect, sat at breakfast, he came behind him and poured all the milk on his head. And the guy swore and got angry. Ah, oh, you stupid, what are you doing? And then he said, ah, so we're sinlessly perfect, are we? Your reaction shows otherwise. It's not about becoming perfect. It's about progress. It's about the pursuit of holiness. Because the Holy Spirit is given to Simon, given to Karina, given to John, so that you can fight and you can go on. And you, don't, you can be free of old habits. You can put on new habits. This is the work of the Spirit. Now, what else does the... I mean, very similar to what I've said, the Holy Spirit also gives you power. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Now, it doesn't mean power to do miracles. I mean, it may mean that, but it really means power to live. Now, you either believe it or you don't. There's power to put off things, power to put on new habits. Do you believe? You know that word, that song? You know that song? I got the power. You know that one? It's a really annoying song. But the truth is, if Jesus is in you by the Spirit, you do have power. You may not feel like it, you may feel like you are absolutely horrible, but you have power and you're to move on that. These are some things that only the Holy Spirit can do, but it's truth. And one other thing which, going back to the story of the farmer, only the Holy Spirit can do it. Really, only the Holy Spirit can make the big change in you at the start. But then, like the farmer, you have to take responsibility. In Ezekiel, chapter 36, this is something else the Holy Spirit can do, which we cannot do. He can make a man or a woman clean. Because what he does is he applies the blood of Jesus, which is what we sang about. He applies the blood of the cross only the Holy Spirit can make you clean. It says in Ezekiel this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will, it's all I will, I will. It's God doing it. Only God can do this. I will take out of you your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees. Then it says, and you will live in Israel, the land I gave your ancestors. That's really Christ. It's saying you're going to live in Christ. You will be my people, I will be your God. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. I will give you crops of grain, like the farmer. I will send no more famine on the land. I will give you great harvests from your fruit trees. You see, to summarize, the three things that only God can do, to which the farmer is dependent, is one, he sets you free, puts you into a new kingdom with a new master. Two, he gives you power. Three, he makes you clean.
These are the things that God alone can do. But does it stop there? Because I've lived like this. You know, you go to a meeting, you get a big experience, you think, right, well, I'm all fine now. And, and then a few weeks later, you trip up and something goes wrong and you think, how did that happen? It's because I was like the farmer sitting at home, just letting, leaving it all to God. You know, you've got to go out there and start cultivating that field. <laughs> Do you remember that scripture in Proverbs where it says, I went past the field of a man who was lazy. It was overgrown with nettles and weeds. Do you remember that? And I stopped and I thought. A little folding of the hands, a little rest, and poverty will come upon you. I find it very interesting. I just believe God is calling us to, yes, be baptized in the Spirit of God, but then to pursue holiness. I find it interesting that Adam was a gardener. He... God gave him a garden, God gave him the plants, God gave him the seed, God gave him the sunshine, God gave him the rain, but he had to look after the garden. <clears throat> so what are our responsibilities? Well, there are just two areas that I feel the Lord's been challenging me on. I've said this here before, probably. One is this. Let me just read a scripture. This is what the farmer's got to go and do. He's got to get off his backside, get out there, and he's got to do this. <laughs> out in the field, he's got to do this. Romans 8, verse 13. If, through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the sinful nature, you will live. You are called, and I am called, Simon Tucker, I'm called to put things to death that are not in line with God's kingdom. And you say, I can't do it. Well, God says you can. What if you pray, oh Lord, motivate me to stop looking at bad things on the internet. Please motivate me. And the Lord says, no, you kill it. Go and kill it. This is what the Lord's been showing me, okay? You say, Lord, motivate me to stop doing that sin. I find it so attractive. No, the Lord says, no, you put it to death. There are many scriptures about this, about putting things to death. You see, we rely on the Holy Spirit to mortify or put something to death. It's as if God gives you a hammer and nails. I've got one here from work. I've done this before, I think. This is my hammer I use to hit people at work. These aren't nails, they're screws, but I didn't have big nails. right? It's almost as though the Holy Spirit has given you a hammer and nails. And you come across a habit in your life, perhaps from your past, which is not good, and it's like the Holy Spirit... You crucify it. There's a scripture in Galatians 5 which says this. Galatians 5.24 Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's Galatians 5.24. The old-fashioned Bible says, those that are Christ's have crucified the passions and lusts. Who did it? God? No. The Christian did it. I'm not trying to tell you you've got to go and do everything in your own strength. But what I'm trying to say is in reliance upon the Spirit in you, the farmer is expected to go out and kill off those pests and weeds, the bad things. You know, you are called to crucify 
the things that aren't right in your life. <clears throat> and it's not in your own strength. So that's one area. Another area that the Lord's been challenging me on uh, is, as well as putting things to death because of the spirit within you, a second area is putting on new habits. It says you can put off old habits and put on new habits. And we love habits, don't we? I don't know if you do. We love habits. The scripture says, if you, you know, about putting on new habits. Um, let me just read this to you. Ephesians 4, verse 22. <clears throat> it says, put off or throw off your sinful nature and your former habits of life which are corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts and put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Uh, this is what the Lord's been challenging me. I, the Holy Spirit is in us. He can help us put away old habits, not just necessarily sinful ones, but even ones like lying in bed till 12 o'clock on a Saturday. You know, maybe you love that. Just lie in bed, have a lie in. Maybe God doesn't want you to have a lie <laughs> But you can put these things off and you can start to put on new habits. Now, it's very hard to get rid of habits, but the Holy Spirit, if we listen to him, he will help us. Here's a habit I find very difficult, right? This, is, this isn't a dodgy one. This is just one at work. I've moved office. This is a silly example. I've moved office. I've... I'm a facilities manager. I've moved from one side of the business park to another side. I've moved, I've moved office, okay? And every time I come down from coffee, I still go off to the old place. Uh, oh, what a wally. I'm not here anymore. I'm still doing it. It's, I mean, I moved, like, I moved before I went to India in um, December. And I still come down from coffee. Instead of going that way to where I am, I still come down and go, Wally, this is the archive. What are you doing here? Oh, yeah, I'm in a new place. And it's so ingrained in me, this habit. We're like that, you know, the Holy Spirit comes in us, and we've got habits that die hard. Sometimes we've got to break the habit of a lifetime. But the Holy Spirit's in us to help us. Some of you know a man called Les Wielden. He speaks here. He wrote in a book, that there was a, a man selling birds at a marketplace. And these birds were tied up by the neck to a pole. So all they could do was go around in circles. And then every time he sold one, he gave it to the person. And this animal lover came along, and this animal lover saw the birds tied up and he felt sorry for them, so he went and paid the owner. He said, here, here mate, I'll give you lots of money. Get, I'll, I'll take all the birds and I'll set them free. They can fly off. So the guy said, okay. So he gave him the money, he undid all the chains, took them off the birds, and do you know what the birds kept doing? Going around in circles. There was no chain on them anymore. They're still going around in circles. So we can be like that. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's in us saying, I want you to learn a new habit. I'm not telling you what your habits are. We can, scripture says, throw off the old, put on the new. This is something we have to do. Okay, I'm going to give you some very practical bits of advice now. Um, very practical, and hopefully I won't be too long. Things that have helped me. One, when you think about sin, don't think of it as a defeat 
or you having a personal defeat. Don't think of it like that. Think of it as disobedience. Because um, so, sometimes we say, oh, I didn't get the victory. Well, if you've got the Holy Spirit in you, really, it's disobedience. I'm not trying to beat anyone up, but it helps you to realize that if you get tempted to look at stuff on the internet, right, now you could say, oh, I had a failure. Well, no, you disobeyed. Because the Spirit's in you. So think of it like that. Disobey, obey, rather than victory, defeat. The other thing to think about is when you uh, have a sin tempting you, um, this is what I found, try to think of it as being against God. Because it's very easy to go, oh, it's a sin, okay, fine. But if you think it's against God, I, I always think of Joseph in the Bible, the, uh, Joseph, not Mary and Joseph, but Joseph in the Old Testament. He was being tempted by a woman to sleep with him. Every day she said, come, and, come on, Joseph, you're a gorgeous looking guy, you know, a bit like me. Uh, um, come, and, come, and, you know, come and sleep with me. And he said this. He didn't say, oh, I, I, I can't, you know, it'll be a personal defeat. He said, how can I sin against God? You see, people in the Bible, like Pharaoh, even Pharaoh, who we read about, Pharaoh once said to Moses, I have sinned. What does that mean? Judas, when he betrayed Jesus, he said, I've sinned. What does that mean? Saul, King Saul, when he sinned, he said, I've sinned. What does that mean? When David sinned, he said, against you, you only have I sinned. When the prodigal son returned in Luke 15, he said, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I don't know whether we view sin as against God or whether we just view it as, a, oh, I had a defeat. This is where the Lord's challenging me. It's not just about you getting the victory. It's about you're going to obey God. <laughs> the other thing where the Lord's challenged me, and I'm just being very real, is in the area of what I call little sins. You know there's a verse in the Bible which says, the little foxes spoil the vines. The little foxes. The problem with little sins are, is you categorize them. You know, like, if, like I know if I went out and got absolutely hammered on the booze, that's like a big sin for me. But if I just go on YouTube for a little bit, dabble on something dodgy and then come off. That's only a little sin. But the thing is, right, little sins, let me show you something my daughter gave me. They start off looking harmless. This is a, imagine this is a real tiger. Baby tiger. That's right. The problem with a baby tiger is they don't stay like that. They grow into killers. When I was out in India, Grace, you'll, you'll laugh at this, they teased me a lot that I would meet tigers in a jungle somewhere. And I was really worried I'd meet, because they said, if the, if the big tiger, Bengal tiger, meets you, they will eat you. And we sometimes have little sins, like the little baby tiger, oh, it's all right, it's not that bad. But actually, they grow. If you leave them, they grow into big things that kill. Um, what are the little foxes, then? Well, for, my, for me, here are some. I just think of three. One, sins of the heart. Nothing that you do, but sins of the heart. Like, you might see a lady at work, and I've had this, I've told it to Karina, it's all right, she knows. You see a lady at work, and you, you get a bit of lust. It's like lusting. Ooh, ooh, ooh. That's a little fox. I've had to take to the Lord and say, kill it. Help me kill it. Jealousy. No one sees jealousy. Not, well, until you do something, like hit someone. <laughs> jealousy. Uh, envy. 
the little things in the heart. Um, pride. As I say, please don't go away thinking, oh, I've got to be holy all by myself. No. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us. If you listen to the Spirit, try and listen to the Holy Spirit, you will pick up where you're meant to change. And it's not, it's, like I say, it's not overnight. Heart sins. Here's another little, little fox. This is a little fox that really gets me. Sins of the tongue. Gossip. Critical tongue. Critical. You know, you speak about, oh, that person, you know. Oh, they never come to church. You know, they, they just don't love God. It's little thing like that. Critical tongue. That can be a little fox that can spoil the vine. And then there are other ones where you might... Not just be, not with your tongue, but you might behave in a harsh way to someone. You must be a bit harsh or blunt with them. You know, like uh, harsh, harsh reactions. Now, the key in all of this is to rely on the Holy Spirit, to listen, to be open, to walk with the Lord. Now, obviously, there are some very practical things you can do to stop this. One, read your Bible every day. Paul Cross used to say that, didn't he, every week almost. (laughs) Read your Bible every day. If you read your Bible, it'll help you. But I found reading only the Bible isn't enough. I found I have to try and pray, and and pray to God to help me in the areas to be holy. But here are two more little practical tips, and then I'm going to finish. One is, if you get a little thought or a sin, don't entertain it. Don't entertain it. You know, what I call flirt with sin. You know, I'm, I'll give you an example, right? Sorry, I'm being really raw here. John was going to sack me from the leadership team after this. But I was at work, and there was a woman. And I started getting a little bit attracted. I was like, ooh, nothing serious. No, nothing ever happened. But I was like, ooh, you know, she's been nice to me. My wife's shouting at me at home. <laughs> no, not really. Um, but I'm getting a bit attracted. Ooh, ooh. Now, nothing ever happened. Don't worry. Nothing, nothing is all kind of water under the bridge really, this was a while ago, but what I found it did, by flirting with it in my heart, I didn't do anything with the woman, but then I got led, it opened the door to something else. It's like a, what I call, when you flirt with a little sin in your heart, it can be a door opener to do something else, nothing to do with, so what I ended up doing that time, I, I ended up going onto YouTube and started looking at, you know, Sorry, I've been straight with you. Dodgy, you know, lingerie. It's only lingerie, but, you know. But the point, what I'm trying to say is, one little thing flirted with led to something else. And if you don't kill it, it can open the door, be a wedge to going to other places. Um, this is a good piece of advice. Nip it in the bud. This is a good piece of advice. When it comes across the doorway, strangle it before it can get in the room. And the Holy Spirit is within you to do that. You don't have to go, I'm just going to flirt with this a little bit. Because you may not do that sin, but it will open a door to something else and you'll be defiled. That's one thing. Don't flirt with a little sin. And the other little thing I've learned is this. And this is a massive thing. I really want to say I've learned this and I'm hoping I will learn it better. When you're being tempted, and you will be tempted, everyone gets tempted. When you're being tempted, don't just sit there going, I'm going to resist. Because you can't resist in a vacuum. What I mean by that is, here's an example. I'm just making this up, okay? Not, this didn't happen to me, this one. 
Imagine you're in your bedroom at home, and you're being tempted to, um, I don't know, be sexually impure. And you're sort of sat in your bedroom reading a book, and it's not going away, and you're saying, oh, get off, Satan, it's not going away. Rather than just sit there in a vacuum trying to resist, try and listen to what the Spirit is saying. The Spirit may have told you, go and clean the car. That sounds silly. The Holy Spirit may have told you, go and clean the car. So you think, I don't feel like cleaning the car, but I'm going to go and clean the car. And as you obey what the Spirit's told you to do, the temptation's gone. I have found this. If you obey the little thing God's told you, maybe it's just do the washing up. If you sit at home, you're getting under temptation. Well, I've always found if you obey what the Spirit may have put in your heart, you know you should have done, you haven't done it yet, go and do that, you find that the temptation disappears. It's like, I don't know why, but it, you, you feel fresh, you feel light, because you've obeyed the God. And, and it says in Scripture, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So if you obey what the Spirit's prompted you to do when you're being tempted, just go and do that. I mean, I've had it when I was tempted once, quite badly. I felt I should write a letter to somebody. I wrote the letter to bless them, and all temptation went. It didn't bother me anymore. And I think it says, you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill those lusts of the flesh. <clears throat> I'm going to stop. I've said a few different things, but I would like to give a time of response, whether you quietly or whether you want to stand up, it might be good if we could sing as well, Hannah or whoever's doing it. 